We don't have a podcast, do we? Yeah, we have a podcast. We have to go back to just being regular friends who just have, like, regular conversations. Oh, that would suck. Fuck off! (laughs) Welcome back, everyone, to Cinematicon Ex Mortis, the podcast where we talk about classic horror movies. And uh, I'm Kenny, here with... Heather. And we promised last time we would talk about Bride of Frankenstein, but that was a fib. Um, We realized in the interim that it wouldn't make too much sense to talk about that without talking about Frankenstein first. So we're going to start with Frankenstein, the 1931 James Whale film. Um, So some basics about that. It was only the second sound horror film from Universal following the same year's Dracula. It was directed by James Whale, who would go on to be one of the great horror directors. He also did The Old Dark House, Invisible Man, and then, of course, Bride of Frankenstein. It was written by Francis Edward Farrago and Garrett Fort. It was based not directly on Mary Shelley's famous novel, but on Peggy Waibling's stage play adaptation of it. It starred Boris Karloff, Colin Clive, and Mae Clark. The makeup effects, as for all classic Universal monster movies, were done by Jack Pierce, who also worked on White Zombie, which we covered before. Here's what Heather wrote for the plot summary. Um, Why do you have to clarify I'm not, that? You're like, all right, well, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to take responsibility for this. Yeah, exactly, because um, you hate it. Never mind. Go, just read it. Henry Frankenstein, a brilliant but eccentric scientist, has become obsessed with his plans to recreate life from that which once was dead. His fiancée Elizabeth and friend Victor Moritz become worried about Henry spending so much time dedicated to his experiments. They seek help from Frankenstein's former medical professor, Dr. Waldman, in hopes that he can help them get through to Henry. After many attempts on small animals, Henry graduates to procuring body parts from various human corpses collected by himself and his hunchbacked assistant Fritz. Frankenstein's macabre experiment proves successful to an extent. Unbeknownst to Frankenstein, the brain that his assistant collected for him belonged to a criminal. The creature that Henry has created seems harmless enough at first, but after escaping from Frankenstein's supervision, things escalate pretty quickly. The monster, not understanding what it's doing, accidentally drowns a small child in the village, justifiably angering the townspeople. Demanding retribution, the villagers rally together to hunt the monster down and destroy it. Henry, feeling the guilt over what he's caused with his creation, goes along with them to help. After getting separated from the rest of the group, Frankenstein is found by his monster and knocked unconscious. The creature carries him to the top of a windmill, where Henry is tossed, but his fall is miraculously broken by the veins of the windmill, saving his life. The townspeople carry him away before setting the mill on fire in hopes of destroying the creature once and for all. Okay, so that's what happens in the movie. So if you didn't see it before, uh, it's been spoiled now. Um, I feel like everyone knows that story anyway, even if you hadn't seen the movie. Yeah. It's, like, pretty just integrated with, like, our culture. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, the basic idea everybody knows. You want to start us off with uh, your first discussion topic? Frankenstein's first name was changed from Victor to Henry. And Yeah, he's called looked... Victor in the novel. Right. But I guess in the play, it's also switched. 
I don't know. I haven't up? I haven't seen the you play. You can look it up. Okay, but did you research this? No. Okay, I did, and I found almost like nothing hmm. about it. There's I found like a lot of people talking about it, and there's a lot of um like theories about it. There's nothing factual, like there's nothing that's just like, oh, well, they did it because of this. And it's because, so a lot of the theories are, it has something to do with the queen being Victoria. And they, they wanted to, um, because Frankenstein, he is kind of a bad guy. (laughs) Uh, they didn't want her to be offended by like a similar sounding name that's like one of the common theories so but not when the movie came out um victoria was long dead at that point but maybe when like a a, a stage version yes the, the play out? okay that's what i meant huh um yeah that's that's the one that yeah there's there's really all kinds of like theories and weird stuff about it but no one really knows i guess i always i always just thought that henry sounds more like it's like a softer more ordinary sounding name so they felt it would be more sympathetic they wanted you know because he he kind of has a like a redeemed he gets redeemed you know Mm -hmm. like he's he starts out kind of like this weirdo (laughs) like um you know he's out grave robbing and creating this monster and he's just kind of this fucked up guy and then he gets better Mm -hmm. you know he he like kind of learns the error of his ways and he he tries to make up for what he's done and so henry is kind of like a nicer name and it sounds more i guess Henry was a really popular name at the time. So they wanted to make that the, you know. Yeah. Or maybe they just got the... confused. Like somebody like wrote down the list of the characters in the <laughs> yeah, novel. And then like when a... they cast it, they accidentally cast the wrong people or something. And they were like, you know what? Fuck it. Like we already started this thing and we're not going to waste anyone's time trying to fix it. So we'll just go with this. Yeah. Even though there's people like me who are like, wait, no, what the fuck? Like, I, I don't know if I'm in a small minority of people who are like really upset <laughs> with the fact that his name isn't Victor anymore. Yeah, it's kind but of part I, of a trend, though, pretty... with um, the early Universal movies being based on classic novels, but then not really caring about, uh, you know, adhering to the novels at all. And in, in terms of not just the plot, but like the characters' names. Like um, in Dracula, we start off with a pretty faithful rendition of like the first part of the novel. Only the character who goes to Transylvania is Renfield instead of Jonathan Harker. So like right away, if you know the novel, you're like, what? What is going on? This is the wrong character. Yeah, it's tough being a book nerd. <laughs> Even back then, yeah. Yeah, can you imagine? Oof. Imagine yeah. all the like Reddit discourse going on. Yeah. And it's it's amazing too to think that at the time that this came out, um the novel Frankenstein was already over a hundred years old. Um it was published I think in eighteen eighteen. 
and nonetheless you know they have to they have to censor so much stuff that's in the novel you know like the novel is like too hardcore for movie going audiences of the time and the movie frankenstein was uh heavily censored when it was aired on television and when it was uh re-released later on they would like cut out hold scenes because they were you know um objectionable for one reason or another like that scene i forget what the quote is where he says something about like this is what it feels like to be God or something. Yeah, that's a famous one that... Um, and they cut it out, but then they put it back in later, like in some versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what that quote is? I don't remember. So after Frankenstein says, It's alive! It's alive! He then says, um, In the name of God, now I know what it feels like to be God. Oh, yeah. They would have real, been real pissed about that. Yeah, people didn't didn't like that. Which I guess connects to one of the things that I find fascinating about this whole story, which is the the theological dimension to it. Um, mm. That Frankenstein is kind of like God. Um, and yeah. the reason that that's kind of disquieting is that he makes some of the same mistakes that God makes, you know? Like, he kind of creates this being. And... People are going to come after you now for saying that. <laughs> They're going to get their pitchforks and their torches. Yeah. So it's kind of like a story that allows us to see God's mistakes, right? Because, like, was it such a great idea to create humankind? No. um, And then just sort of let us loose. And then when we do bad stuff, kind of blame us. Like, oh, I can't believe you, humans. You know, like, why did you do (laughs) this That's what God said? Where did he say that? Well, like in the Bible, right? Like he... Yeah, he gets mad, right? When Adam like, and Eve are, eat the apple. Y'all got me fucked up. That's yeah, he's said. like, oh, you know, you ate the apple. I can't believe it. He's like, well, you you would have known that, right? You know everything. And then, uh, you know, he tries to drown everybody one time. Um, like, you know. He, I know. Yeah. I don't really know. I remember one time we had a conversation about, like, all the times, like, God, like, tries to kill people in the Bible. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah, there's some weird shit in there. He's an angry dude, you know? Like, he's he's pissed off that his creations aren't as perfect as he wanted them to be. But it's like, well, whose fault is that, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's your own fault for making them. And, and I think it's the same with Frankenstein, right? Like, and in the book, too, right? He, he creates the monster, and then he's just sort of instantly horrified by what he's done. He runs away. And the monster mm-hmm. is just like a child. Like, it wants... a parent it wants some human connection and uh so we really feel bad for it um Mm -hmm. and i think you know uh i'm not just making this up the novel draws attention to this parallel um in one of the epigraphs to the novel a quote that shows up at the like on the title page is um a quote from adam or no not from adam um no it is adam it's adam in paradise lost saying to god you know did i ask to be created um (laughs) which is did i ask yeah like how are you gonna come down on me you know like this whole thing is your you're doing that's the argument that i always use with my parents like anytime they're mad at me i'm like look i didn't ask to be created like y'all did that yeah so deal with it yeah, and that's the other thing that I think about Frankenstein is that it's about uh 
parenting in general. You know, it's about. <laughs> this, is a, this is a parenting movie. This is like a, <laughs> like a after school special about parenting. Yeah, I think it's about. Don't uh, do any of this. Well, yeah, like, and don't, don't be a parent at all, really. <laughs> like, it's just a bad idea. Don't it doesn't work kids. out. They'll, they'll drown little girls in the lake. Yeah, and, and then, then it's your fault. Everyone will come after you. Yeah, like you're sort of so responsible. Just don't do it. Just don't. Just wear a condom and don't create monsters. Yeah, which I like that message because I'm an antinatalist. <laughs> so that means that I'm against... You're against children. Yeah, against Having procreation. Children. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Me too. Awesome. I think it's hella narcissistic. Hmm. It's like, I love myself so much. I wish there was another one. Yeah you know like let's make a let's make more of myself because i'm awesome yeah well and then, like, i don't know i can't help it but see everyone with kids like that a little bit it's like oh, i mean we have an overpopulation problem and like did you really have to go and do that yeah i think children are a form of pollution <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious like i see them as parasites mm. for sure but i've never yeah. <laughs> i mean honestly that's true though because they're like creating you know trash basically like think yeah. of all the trash yeah i mean like kids people and... at least here in in davis where i live which is like super liberal you know everybody's obsessed with their carbon footprint and trying to you know mm -hmm. uh make sure they recycle everything and blah 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 but it's like you know if you they're really want to reduce your carbon footprint yeah, like, don't have kids. Like, once you have a kid, you know, it's like, how much are they going to pollute in their whole life? How much, like, problems are they going to cause for nature and society and everything? You know, just get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Yep. I'm with it. And, um, yeah, I think that's that's part of what makes Frankenstein interesting, is it's like, it's the <laughs> intersection of these different uh really thorny issues like theology and and parenting mm -hmm. you know it's got it, its themes sort of connect to these things in ways that are it allows us to look at things like god or like the sort of naturalness of childbirth that we mm -hmm. sort of take for granted like yeah of course like god's a nice guy and like of course you should have children but this novel allows you to kind of see it without instantly taking offense because it's this fantasy story and it's not supposed to you know like you don't realize that it's about that but mm -hmm. then it is and then you you kind of go like uh-oh god is evil um and so am i mm -hmm. um yeah so talking about the actual movie uh right it was based on a stage play rather than the novel as we said um, are there any moments where that's kind of striking? Like you can tell, oh, this is clearly based on a play or it's kind of feels stagey. Definitely not to me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I haven't really seen that many plays in general. Hmm. Well, in like an example, um, in Dracula, that's kind of funny is, um, when Dracula leaves the house at one point, a character like looks out the window and he's like, oh my God, I'm seeing a, a giant wolf running across the lawn. He must've turned mm -hmm. into a wolf. 
and he just announces mm-hmm. that to the other characters and it's like we don't see it so it's like that's what would happen in a play is like yeah. you tell rather than show because you can't like have a wolf running around on the stage um but in mm-hmm. a movie you can show it and that's like what you're supposed to do but um because it was based on a play they kind of like didn't didn't do that um so that would be mm-hmm. an example of like kind of staginess that people point out i think there there are definitely like I don't know if it's staginess or just uh, the kind of flimsiness of the early 30s filmmaking that you can kind of... I can. I always feel like in the outdoor scenes, it's totally obvious that it's shot on a universal lot and that the sky is like a, mm-hmm. uh, a backdrop that's like inches away from the characters. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. But it's kind of... It's kind of cool, though, at the same time. Like, it has a sort of charm to it, like the crazy um, sky backgrounds and the um, the gothic sets and stuff. That They don't really look like real life, but they look like this sort of fantasy world. Mm-hmm. I really like... So in the beginning, when they're digging, they're digging up that corpse, you know? Mm-hmm. And the sky is all crazy looking in the background. I really like that shot. Like, I really like it. I really like how they did the lighting and everything. It, like, looks creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you and, know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And um, James okay. Whale is, like, amazing visually. I think he's really good. Um, another difference from the novel is... In the novel we don't really know how Frankenstein makes the monster. I think it actually says like, I don't want to tell you this because then you'll go and make a monster, you know? And the whole whole point of the story is that it's a bad idea. So I'm not going to tell you exactly how I did it. Let's just say somehow, you know, over the next few weeks I made a monster. So in the book, it's like a few sentences is the construction of the monster. And the whole rest of the book is, you know, uh, Victor's life leading up to that and then everything after it. And there's a lot of plot in the novel, you know, like it has the whole creation of the bride. Um, it has the monster, uh, he's chasing the monster. They go up to the Antarctic and stuff. So there's like all kinds of stuff that happens that doesn't happen in the movie. And instead the movie really focuses on this one part of the novel that really isn't described. That's just like a few sentences. Mm -hmm. Um, so what do you think about that? Uh, I don't really have an opinion on that. I I think the movie is great and they made a good decision. Yeah. I feel like it might be too clunky and like, you know, I don't like when plots are just like all over the place. And like some things that work in a, in book form just aren't going to work in a movie. So I'm happy with whatever decisions were made in regards to that yeah i think it's an interesting choice to focus on the process of making the creature and it leads me to yet another sort of allegorical reading of the film which is that it's a story about the creation of art it's like frankenstein is an artist and the monster is his his masterpiece and Mm -hmm specifically film right because it's a collaborative process which it isn't in the novel because they invented the character fritz the hunchback's assistant 
and mm -hmm. it's a technological process to create the monster like there's all this equipment involved he's got to get the device the device that goes ping and you know everything working properly and then you have to sort of wait for the perfect moment when the light will the lightning will strike you know kind of like waiting for the magic hour on set or you know it's like there's a lot of parallels between how they create the monster and how you make a movie that i think are pretty interesting so the assistant's name is fritz yeah. so where does that igor name come from like what does everyone think of that when they think of his assistant because of the third film so igor is not going to show up until oh. son of frankenstein oh i've never seen it so oh. well we should we should watch it maybe not we shouldn't do three frankenstein episodes in a row but probably not uh because all the anybody who's not a frankenstein nerd will probably tune out at that point but um Eventually, we should get to Son of Frankenstein, because that's also a cool movie, and um, okay. has a lot of interesting stuff, including Igor in it. So, yeah, another thing to talk about with the film is the influence of <laughs> German Expressionism on it. So, uh -huh. I think you can definitely see that with the strong contrast of, like, light and darkness, um, which is also a major motif in the film. Um, and... Uh, one moment that's lifted right out of a classic German expressionist film is when the monster uh, meets a little girl and mm -hmm. they're playing the game with the flower petals. That's like right out of uh, The Golem from uh, Paul Wegener from 1920. Um, so that's a movie that I think had a big influence on Frankenstein because it's also a movie about somebody who creates an artificial creature in this case it's a giant statue made out of clay that well, comes like to an life old, i don't know what that movie is but that's like a jewish like myth like that's like yeah. a yeah yeah that's like an actual thing mm -hmm. yeah so it's a, it's a it. yeah it's an of course, that's how you know that. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's an adaptation of that uh, classic story. So some someday maybe we'll do a whole episode on it. But um, suffice to say that the creature sort of runs amok, a la Frankenstein, and although it came out first. And it runs into this little girl, and the little girl hands it a flower. So she's like Ooh. the one person who's so innocent that she's not scared of the monster. She just sees it as like a big guy and she's friendly to it and it doesn't do anything to her. That I think was a moment that was directly picked up by by Frankenstein, by James Whale. But of course here um, the monster does kill the girl, um, mm -hmm. which I think is an interesting sort of uh, decision that they made. Um, it was a very ballsy decision, that's for sure, because that's like... I mean, anytime a child dies, first of all, that's really fucked up. And especially for, like, what, this was 1931? Yeah. Well, so, and on the uh, behind-the-scenes feature on my DVD, they explain that uh, in certain places where they showed the film... So this was, like, in the early days of uh, cinema. This is pre-code, as we talked about in the White Zombie episode. So there wasn't any... Um, industry-wide censorship regime yet um, but what there was was like in specific states and localities they would 
censor films by like directly cutting things out of them um, or just refusing to allow certain films to be shown, um, which was part of why the production code went into effect to sort of avoid this haphazard, you know, uh, county by county censorship that was going on and the threat of federal censorship of movies. Um, so in a lot of early uh, showings of Frankenstein, they would cut out the part where he throws the girl into the pond and she drowns, um, which in a way actually makes it more disturbing because you don't know what happened to, you don't see what happened to the girl until you see the father carrying her body. And it's like, oh, like, did he, what did the monster do? Like you, it leads you to think that he actually like strangled her to death or something, you know, like a lot more violent than what he did, which was just sort of, um, his childish mind thought like, well, we ran out of flowers. What else can we throw in? So he threw the girl Mm -hmm. in, um, not having any concept that she would drown. That's, that's something you really can't cut out. That's like a really important moment where you you know, he's just got this really innocent mind like that of a child and he just doesn't know any better. And like, that's when you really figure that out, you know, like he, he's not, he doesn't have any ill intent. He just doesn't know. Yeah. Which is like one of the coolest things about the whole Frankenstein story and this movie in particular is like, you know, Dracula, we're scared of him. And he's just this evil, villainous guy who wants to yeah. suck your blood. And mm-hmm. the creature, we're scared of him. He He's quite scary in this movie. Like, there's some really awesome uh, moments. Like, his first introduction in the film, I think, is really great. Where he walks into the room backward, and he's in shadow. And then he, like, turns around. And we get, like, three jump cuts to closer, closer up close-ups of his face. Um that's a really cool sequence and he's you know uh the the makeup of course is iconic and great and he's he's scary and we're we're frightened of him but then at the same time the movie kind of makes us ashamed of being repulsed and and frightened by him because Mm -hmm. we see more of him than any of the characters do and Mm -hmm. they see him as a monster but we come to see him as like a child um Mm -hmm. And not really having ill will towards people who aren't attacking him, right? Like, he responds like an animal when he's attacked. And he's just so strong that, you know, he is he is scary. He is dangerous. Um, so you point out that the villagers in your, in your plot summary, you said they're justifiably, you know, angered. Um, well, from their perspective, yeah. Yeah. But um, from 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 the story that they know, mm-hmm. yes, because like all they know is that this fucking creation that Frankenstein made is out here killing kids, you know, like they're just like, absolutely not. So they don't that's all they know. And it's like if that's the story that we knew, they'd be pretty pissed, too, you know? Yeah. At the same time, so, though, it. I feel like the movie is skeptical of the sort of mob mentality and the final scene in which the monster burns to death in the windmill is just really uh, disturbing to watch. I mean, it's a, 
we're watching a lynching essentially right and the crowd mm -hmm. is like cheering and holding up their firebrands and they're yeah. you know they they're happy about what it. they're doing yeah, right and the no, monster is like good. screaming in pain and and fear um and it's uh sad. yeah it's like it's like a, a sickening sort of moment and then the movie cuts straight from that to um frankenstein has recovered and mm -hmm. uh outside of his hospital room um his dad the um the baron frankenstein is like oh great now he and elizabeth can have kids a son to the house of frankenstein yay I and really, like i fucking hate that scene so much yeah and it's like all this happy music and it's like wow <laughs> what a tonal shift and i i think it's almost like you know it's maybe deliberate like we're supposed to be sitting there thinking like fuck you frankenstein you know you're gonna go out have a happy life after what you did to this creature yeah I don't know. that's how, kind of how i feel you know like he doesn't deserve yeah, he to be happy and, like, now what's up with it was fritz right that was like tormenting the the creature with the fire mm-hmm it's like what and that scene went on for like ever <laughs> like he was just like fucking with it you know because he he hates fire he's very afraid of fire and then fritz is just waving that torch in his face and won't stop yeah like he literally keeps doing it like i i was sitting there watching that and i'm like oh my god like this is dragging on he's just just gonna keep doing that okay um why <laughs> well he gets he gets his right that's another like pretty extreme scene for an early talkie an early horror movie is we see his his uh corpse dangling by the rope that uh the creature strangled him with hmm well good <laughs> good <laughs> he sucks <laughs> Yeah, Fritz is kind of mean. Like, Although, look, um, look, Fritz, you hunchback! Like, <laughs> you hunchback motherfucker! Jeez, like, you're gonna you're... you're gonna throw that in his face? Well, yes, because it yes, it's not his fault. He's also kind of you know monstrous looking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least I see you know, what you're saying. He he should have more sympathy to to another you know non conventionally attractive looking person. Well, maybe no, that that's very, maybe that's kind, the deal crazy. is maybe he's like excited that now he has somebody to, you know, to be, torment. Yeah. Oh, like the way no. that other people have tormented him for his oh, deformity. <laughs> it's like when you're the older sibling and you like torment your younger sibling and they like torment the even younger sibling. Yeah. Because it's just like a pyramid of torment. Or like it's like any bully, right? Like bullies are. I mean, at least this is like the pop psychology yeah, understanding I, of bullying I is like bullies are people who listened. get, you know, abused by their parents or they get, you know, yeah. uh, looked down was... upon because they're bad at school or whatever. And they take it out on people who are weaker than them. And I was listening to this podcast and they brought this subject up about bullying. And it, and it made me remember things about when I was younger and like I was tormented like crazy in high school but then i also did my own share of tormenting mm. so it's just like you're always picking on somebody weaker because it's like we just 
I don't know. It's just like human nature, I guess. It's like really fucked up. Yeah, and that's the world that Frankenstein brings the creature into, right? Mm, like, great. He's he, unknowingly, right? Like, he's not. He doesn't realize that Fritz is doing that to the monster. When he sees him, right. he's like, "Okay, stop it. That's enough." But, <laughs> but um, My freaks are fighting. Yeah, but he. I guess you know that's part of the message of the movie, right? Is like it's a screwed up world and people are cruel Mm -hmm. to each other and so it's not a great idea to bring more beings into it they're sort of they're screwed Mm -hmm. up not by their nature but by the world that they exist in and i think another thing that the movie does that's interesting that uh highlights the humanity of the creature is the way it uses light and darkness. So I talked about how in the first scene where we meet the creature, he sort of walks out of shadow into light. Um, There's also a really cool scene where um, Frankenstein is describing to Dr. Waldman his fascination with the unknown. And um, Mm -hmm. he says, you know, didn't you ever want to know what turns the darkness into light? Um, So it's like his obsession with finding out these like secrets of the universe is connected to uh maybe like the moment in genesis where god says let there be light um but also Mm -hmm. um of course the novel was called subtitled the modern prometheus and prometheus is this greek god who steals fire from the other gods and brings it to uh humanity so he sort of like brings light to people. So Frankenstein is this sort of light bringer, but of course the light that he brings is this creature. It's this like perverse thing. Um, but then we also Oops. see um, he has this thing where he keeps the creature in darkness so that he can expose it to the light gradually. I don't know what, what his like uh, idea is there, but it's a really cool scene where he the the monster first sees the light and it sort of like reaches upwards towards it like it has this inherent understanding that light is like a good thing and it wants to get to the light Uh which um makes me think of uh boris karloff's performance in general which is like one of the strong suits of the film like the creature doesn't speak in this but he's so expressive yeah and under Do like you... pounds of makeup and you know wearing yeah, these giant okay. did you boots did he like sweated off basically 20 pounds from like all the makeup and the costume and shit because that all together his whole thing weighed 48 pounds yeah i can i can believe it you know and under those his... really like hot bright lights for oh my filming god his shoes weighed 13 pounds each yeah Oh my god, that must have been a nightmare. Like no, no wonder he walked so stiff, and you know, like that kind of works out because those shoes are heavy. Yeah, and um, and he was in makeup for, you know, like six hours before every shoot and six hours after, something like that. It was five actually. Okay, there you go. And but um, <laughs> but yeah, there's actually there's debate about um whether whether uh boris karloff was the first choice i think um 
Bella Lugosi. Yeah, there's a story they, that Bela Lugosi was offered the role and he turned it down. Well, they, they, um, there's, well, allegedly there's like a screen test with Bela Lugosi, but there is a actual movie poster that has Bela Lugosi as the monster. Oh, really? Yes. That's interesting. But, but that, um, I can see footage, why he turned it down, that, right? Like That footage uh, is lost, but there is a movie poster. Hmm. Yeah, and maybe once, you know, he realized, like, what it would take to play the thing, he was like, okay, fuck that. Yeah, I, I wrote it down about him put, turning that... I don't know. I don't know. Where, I can't read my writing very well. <laughs> but, yeah, I did, I did read... Oh, also... Oh, well, that's... We'll get into that later. Never mind. <laughs> he did end up uh, coming back and playing the monster, though, in uh, some of the later oh, movies. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah in uh frankenstein meets the wolf man and uh, do you yeah. do you know the story about karloff getting the part um yeah i think i've i know about that you want to tell the story yeah so james whale he spotted karloff in the like a on the universal commissary because mm-hmm. he was in like, like a gangster is- movie Oh, okay. I didn't know that part. I know that he was, um, like, James Whale saw him and was like, I I think that dude would make a great monster. You got the goods. So, yeah. So, and, and, um, he, so he goes up to him and he tells him, like, I think you should try out for this part in my movie and whatever. And then, I guess, Boris Karloff, you know, he, he was kind of offended because he was like wearing his most elegant suit and he said that he thought he was looking handsome mm-hmm. like he thought he was all spiffed up and was like i look great and then this dude comes up he's like i think you should play my monster yeah you know what you would be yeah. perfect for a horrible yeah, like... ugly monster <laughs> that's so sad <laughs> oh oh no yeah well, well and I, mean... I think that was probably part of why uh bela lugosi turned it down as well is that he didn't want to get typecast as a monster um and in particular he didn't want to play a monster that didn't even talk he thought it would be oh yeah yeah that's what i wrote down he was like this person this character yeah yeah i don't even get any lines but i mean karloff did so much without having any lines well i read this thing i don't know if it's true i don't know i read this and i just didn't believe it so tell me if this is true apparently like boris karloff he was like such a nobody that they like didn't even invite him to like the premiere of the movie hmm I, that's what i read i read that and i'm like i don't i don't know if that's true yeah it I, might be i don't but yeah i, I don't, mean I, I, I don't know where where you got that information so i can't say whether it's okay. it's true well, or not it, but um, i don't remember i looked i looked up i was reading like facts about the movie and i i don't remember which website i, I saw that on but yeah. i just didn't believe it maybe but, i don't want to believe it you well you know, know i can imagine them not having him come to the premiere but not because he wasn't a big actor but because um it would give away the the secret because this movie is like weirdly secretive about who's playing the monster we get a cast list at mm. the beginning that says all the characters and then it says the monster question mark um so Maybe they wanted to kind of keep it a secret and uh, yeah, but not that 
everybody knew what Boris Karloff looked like back then because yeah he wasn't a big star yet yeah and then it's well, at the I end don't... of the film when they repeat the the cast list that then they they attribute the monster to I think they just call him Karloff he was just going by his I, last that's name. that's in the sequel which actually wasn't his last name his his real name wasn't right. Boris Karloff I, I read what his real name was but I forgot yeah it was a stage name know. as was uh Bela Lugosi Oh really? Mm-hmm. His real first name was Bela, but he has like a hard to pronounce okay. Hungarian last yeah, name I, that he I replaced figured. with Lugosi. I'm surprised he picked like another foreign sounding last name though. You'd think if you're gonna do it, you're gonna go all the way and pick like Bela Miller Johnson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um yeah. So let's see. Oh, did you know? I'm just probably going to keep piping up with that. Did you know that this was the first film that used that like famous castle thunder sound effect? The uh no. Yeah, a, well it is. A castle thunder? Yeah, you know like in movies where you see a castle and there's like thunder mm. and like lightning. So maybe like that it, exact had... shot was reused in a lot of later films. Um they would often know. do that. They would take, yeah, you know, establishing shots of been, castles and stuff and, and reuse them. Like, pretty much any time you see a castle in a movie, after that, it, it had to have, like, thunder and mm. lightning in the background. Do you know what I'm talking about? You have to. Yeah, sure. Because it's, like, a major... It's, like, a cliche. Like, yeah. And this is where it comes from. So, Boris Karloff was actually considered, like, old... Hollywood standards because he was 44 in this movie. So he was discovered at 44. Hmm. Did you know that? No, I didn't realize how old he was. Um, he looks young here compared to know you know what what you're used to seeing because he had a really long career after this. He was acting into the yeah. into the 60s. Yeah, he. This was a really good decision. Like, I'm glad that he like wasn't so offended by james whale coming up to him in the commissary where he was like how dare you you know and just like throw it all away because it's made his career so yeah sometimes you have to swallow your pride and play a monster even when you think you're looking good <laughs> yeah just gotta do it um so do you know about so honestly this jack pierce guy sounds like an asshole that's what i have to say yeah he's he, he, well he was a real diva stuff. for sure yeah, that's what I was hearing. Like, he considered he was like, I'm. He was like telling. He's like going around like bragging. This is more into the, the, the woman who who played um, Mary Shelley and Brian Frankenstein. She had a lot to say about him. She didn't like him. I don't think she talked a lot of it's, shit. Uh, Elsa and Lanchester. She was just like, yes, and she was saying that he was going around saying like, I'm basically God. I created all of you. Like, none of you would look like that if it weren't for me. Like, this whole movie, you know, I, I did everything. <laughs> like, he was, yeah, and she would, he was, like, basically saying, like, I'm a, I'm basically a scientist. I'm a doctor because I created all of you. And, like, he would show up in a lab coat because he thought of himself as, like, a doctor. Uh -huh. And you know what I mean? And it's just like, she was just like, Ugh, like she, you know, I could just like he hear the eye roll in her, in her 
quotes about him. You know what I mean? She's just like, uh, he's a motherfucker in his lab coat, you know, like, ugh. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously he did brilliant work, but apparently. Yeah. Well, maybe this is a slander was... against makeup artists, but like maybe makeup artists is one of those jobs where it kind of attracts jerks because at least back then, especially like, because I don't know, I sometimes think this about directors too. Like directors tend to be assholes and they tend to be, you know, mm-hmm. throw a fit and be kind of nuts. Um, but it's like yeah. certain jobs attract certain kind of people, right? Like you, if you're not a control freak, then you're kind of happy just being in the editing room or being the DP or whatever. Like it's somebody who wants, who feels the need to control every aspect of the production that's going to go for the director job and, and get it. Um, and maybe some, you know, to be a good makeup artist back then, you kind of have to be willing to subject people to just hours of torment um, because that's what putting on and taking off this makeup was like they were just you know literally gluing stuff to people's faces and then you know Mm -hmm. ripping it off and having noxious chemicals like you know right in their eyes and stuff i can't even imagine what that shit was made of in 1931 yeah and this process just lasts forever it just takes hours Mm -hmm. and hours it's Um, like made of like lead and like asbestos it's like asbestos paint yeah so you know maybe if you had like deep empathy for other human beings you wouldn't do that for a living i don't know (laughs) i don't i don't know anything about like classic makeup artists really i would love to know more about that i would be totally obsessed i'm gonna look into it actually um so do you know what the description of the, the creature looks like in the book you have a description yes i do okay do you want to hear it sure it says his limbs were in proportion and i had selected his features as beautiful beautiful great god his yellow skin scarcely covered the work of muscles and arteries beneath his hair was of a lustrous black and flowing his teeth of a pearly whiteness but these luxuriances only formed a more horrid contrast with the watery eyes that seemed almost of the same color as the dun white sockets in which they were set, his shriveled complexion and straight black lips. That's it. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. So, that sounds yeah. kind of scary. Yeah, he is scary looking there. I mean, and yeah, he, he doesn't have a lot of the things he has in the movie so uh yeah like pierce didn't make up the the, electrodes yeah the the electrodes on his neck and that was for the the sort of flattened head um the flattened top of the head and everything those those aren't come from the book but what's really a huge change is um you know his behavior and the you know everything about how he acts right In, in the book he learns to speak and he's quite eloquent and he actually narrates a big portion of the book. Um, whereas in the movie, Ooh. he never speaks. Um, also he's described as agile. He can move very quickly. Ooh. He can jump and climb onto things. You know, he's part of why he's frightening is because he's very quick, um, when he wants to get at you. And, uh, in the movie, obviously he's this slow lumbering clumsy creature. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's almost like they just sort of took the concept of someone creating a monster and it running amok from the mm-hmm. book, and they just kind of took that and built a whole new thing around it. And I'm not sure how much of that was, probably a large amount of that was the stage play and not the, the film. 
But mm. uh, yeah, a lot has changed along the way. Well, I could be biased because it's all I've ever known, but I just really am glad that they changed it. Yeah, if you want to see a, a closer adaptation, the one from the 90s with Robert De Niro called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is a lot closer. Oh, that sounds weird. I mean, like, in, in the way that I, like, want to see it because that's just so weird. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, another thing that I find interesting about the movie is um, its approach to scaring the audience, mm -hmm. which is dramatic irony. So we always see the monster before the characters do. So, like, um, we see, for instance, it its hand sort of creeping behind Waldman, about to strangle him before he sees it. Um, we see the monster coming into uh, Elizabeth's room and sort of like stalking, walking behind her and before she realizes that it's there. Um, so it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think movies have, for a long time, horror movies have gone the other way where, um, you know, the monster jumps out and, and scares us and the, the characters. Yeah, um, yeah you suddenly. know how much I hate jump scares. Yeah, but I now more recently, I think we're movies are starting to turn more towards this kind of scare. Like I just saw Hereditary, um, and oh, there are several good? there are several scares like that where we see that... the thing in the background and the characters oh. don't see it. I feel like jump scares are really cheap, and yeah. the slow burn is so much has such a better payoff. Like, yeah. that sticks with you. You know, those images, like, you think about that later on. You're like, oh, you know? Yeah, Hereditary doesn't have any jump scares, and uh, it scared me worse than any movie I've seen, like, in several years. Really? Like, The Ring? Well, I saw that when I was maybe 13, so... Okay, well, I just know that that's a movie that scared both of us. Yeah, that scared the crap out of me. And that's... Yeah, yeah that's another one that scary. doesn't really have... Too many jump scares. Um, yeah, it's yeah, not. It's not really freaky. about things popping out. It, it's yeah. It's about that slow. Yeah, it's the stuff that dread. haunts you. Yeah, like knowing that something's coming for a long time yeah. and just being uneasy. That's terrifying. Yeah, so that's kind of neat um, that this movie kind of takes that approach. Not that this movie is particularly scary nowadays. I mean, how could it be? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, right. yeah, I think you have to kind of put yourself in the in the mindset of people back then to understand why the monster is is scary. I mean, especially nowadays, like there's there have been so many like comedic representations of the monster with the same makeup, mm -hmm. like Young Frankenstein and a million cartoons and stuff. Um, yeah, that's... like literally everything ever. Yeah, and you encounter it's like those one of the things most first. Things. Yeah, which I think yeah. is kind of weird. Like, isn't it weird that you encounter was... the parody versions of it? Like, every child in the last, what, yeah. 40 years has seen The Count on Sesame Street before ever seeing the original movie Dracula. And so you and like, see the funny parody version of the thing before you see the thing. Yeah, totally. It's But we can't, like, help it. There's something we can do about it because it's everywhere. Yeah. But I do hate that. It reminds me of your brother who always watched those parody movies and he'd never seen the... Do you know what I'm talking about? What were those? Yeah, those, those like, things? thumb movies. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, which is the only place I've ever heard of those. Um, I've never seen the anyone Thumb Father ever... and Thumb well, Wars and yeah, they're and they're just all based on these things that he'd never seen and he loved them. And he thought they were so funny and we're like always telling him like, dude, you know, there's like actual original content, right? And he's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a real pet peeve of mine is. Um, I guess the count on Sesame Street is an exception. I, I, you know, the count's fine, but it annoys me. It annoys me when, um, movies that are made for children, um, like cartoons and stuff want to have some jokes to keep the adults in the audience entertained who are bringing their kids to watch it. And Mm -hmm. so I think the good way of doing that is like Pixar where you have, humor that just appeals to all ages because it's just a funny situation you know or like it's just relatable to everyone but the the way that i hate is where they just toss in random cultural references so Mm -hmm. like when i used to work at a movie theater i walked into this movie about oh god what was it it was like a movie about hamsters um i'm sorry what? There's a cartoon, like a CG cartoon about hamsters. Somebody in the audience will know what movie I'm thinking of. And one of the... Our, one of the, our audience? Yeah. Um, okay. The thousands of people that are watching and I, commenting right now, I, yeah, like, it's this one. That's some bad news. Um, that's some bad news for you on that. So one of the, one of the gerbils or whatever it is <laughs> says to the other one, he's like this gruff older one, and he says... Uh, I love the smell of sawdust in the morning. It smells like victory. And it's like, you know, how out. many six-year-olds have seen Apocalypse Now? <laughs> Hopefully not very many. Yeah. So And so, and, and it's like, it's it's another thing. It, well, so there's several things wrong with that, right? So like one of them is like the family guy problem of like a reference is not a joke. Like you can't just do a reference and like, haha. It's like, okay, I remember. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. from Apocalypse Now. So what? It's not funny. But... Also, mm-hmm. it's like now all of those six-year-olds that saw that damn hamster movie, when they go and see Apocalypse Now and they get to that <laughs> famous line, instead of it actually affecting them the way it's supposed to, they're going to think, oh, this is like what that hamster said. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, yeah, that really, that really bugs this, me. like the hamster dilemma. <laughs> yeah so like that that's that hamster effect (laughs) yeah so frankenstein definitely suffers from the hamster effect i think (laughs) i know exactly what you mean because okay i've seen this movie before but i haven't seen it in a long time and i think i was probably like i don't know drunk or something the first time i saw it so this time i was watching it and i honestly couldn't not think about the chipmunks like Alvin and the Chipmunks, like their version of this Frankenstein story that oh, I, I never, saw. I never saw that. I'm like, that's just not good. That <laughs> that shouldn't happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's the the uh, you know becoming as iconic as this movie is is like a double-edged sword. You know, like it's the darker side of becoming part of the cultural soup. Is it kind of like dilutes everybody's appreciation of it because, yeah, they're thinking of the chipmunks or Sesame Street or <laughs> hamsters or whatever when they're watching it. Some fucking thing. Some fucking rodent. Yeah. Yeah. Usually a rodent, it turns out. <laughs> so that's it for our discussion of Frankenstein. 
next time, join us for Bride of Frankenstein. For real this time, we promise. <laughs>